0: it's another hot day as as we record anyway it is a hot day and i'm in the dark because the blinds are drawn in the office in 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 the studio in the studio in the studio office no i'm not gonna make it work um hi it is it is warm but uh that's all that's all okay we're here and we're gonna make it work. I went out today and I think got my head cleared a little bit so that's good. I think uh, the, the hug that I was uh, potentially in need of um, was, uh, yeah, I think I got it in nature. So that's nice. Um, so today, today is, the, is, is uh, basically free in Friday. So we have structure for four days of the week, and then for day five, this is where we can uh, let it all hang out, let it loose. I've marinated some chicken that's in the fridge. I'm going to cook that chicken in a bit and I'm going to cook it up with some uh, with some pasta. I've got some spinach and, and uh, ricotta tortellini, which sounds a lot fancier than it is. I mean, it sounds pretty fancy, doesn't it? But it's just like you just boil it for three minutes and then it's delicious. That with a bit of pesto, I just I just wang wang some pesto over it, you know, and and just jiggle jig, jig it all about a bit uh and that's that's pretty delicious bit of salad i think we got uh and we got we got we got we got a good life and i i have got some ice cream because it's a very hot day and i was walking a lot well i was walking some uh all in all probably about an hour and a half which is pretty good in terms of walking um probably ended up at about six or seven of your of your kilometers there because, yeah, I, I so I, I think I talked yesterday, I think I probably had the idea as we were talking uh, about heading down to the local art centre that that is near me, was near enough to me. And I spent the whole day there. And I brought my laptop and I got there quarter to eleven. It would have been better if I'd have got there earlier, but that's fine. I got there quarter to eleven and I posted up, got some breakfast. I had um egg and avocado on a pretzel bun. It's not as nice it's it wasn't as <laughs> so this was affirming um because it's nice to know that that not everyone can poach an egg uh that well because it's always consistent the place I go to to get my breakfast um Every every now and again, when I well fairly regularly when I when I go, um, which is an, only a fifteen minute walk away of that, they poach an egg, they poach an egg real good, and it's consistent every time. Good poached egg, always always right consistency, always good poached egg. Poached egg every day, they've got it nailed. The, the local arts centre sort of demonstrate that that doesn't come as default, and it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. The egg was 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 certainly intact. I mean, there were there was there were two of them. Um, the egg was definitely like structurally sound, so no complaint there. Because um, when I poach an egg, sometimes it just it ends up as as some as some wisps and then just like a hard boil boiled bit of yolk, which is you know that's not you know that does not a poached egg make uh whereas this the these these poached eggs were um yeah structurally sound but a little bit hard, not too bad, but you know you want them runny, they weren't runny, that's all I mean you know that's that's it's all fine, so anyway, let us check in um, I don't think we'll meditate today, so we'll just we'll just do what we usually do or what we have done previously, and we'll uh we'll ask ourselves take a moment and see what comes up when you ask the body and the heart and the and the brain and the soul what it would like you to pay attention to right now we can hold that thought hold that feeling hold that emotion hold that sensation for a bit and um look it in the eye and say hey i see you so whatever whatever comes up for you just take a moment and do that. You are very welcome here to The Lighthouse. This is episode 30 and I'm yawning again. This is outrageous. I'm so sorry. It's so rude. It's so rude. But it is episode 30. Wow. Wow. We got there pretty quick. I mean, that's what happens when you, you multiply the average number of episodes in, in any given, you know, in a weekly podcast. You multiply that by five and you get to the pretty quick, right? It's, it's straight up maths. Um, but hey, we did it. And that's six weeks worth of episodes. So uh, yeah, go us. I'm, I'm proud of us. But this is just you and I Spending some time, just kicking it, keeping each other company. My cat just let out a little—I don't know if it was like a yawn or a little mm. kind of noise. So that's good. Yeah, on my walk today and and back, I've been listening to a an audio book read by Imogen Church, who is uh, my favourite female narrator i have a favorite male narrator because i you know they're very different um it's very sexist of me but i'm i'm more okay with blokes doing girls uh, blokes doing women's voices than i am with women doing blokes voices uh and that is just i think that's mostly just straight uh, sexism on my part i think i don't think there's any justification for that when i say comfortable i just mean you know I, it glides past me much much easier um when it's uh a bloke doing a female voice and you know when they're good they don't it's not like they you know do it doing that he's a very not, you know it's not that um although yeah. That has happened from time to time. In, in, in some audiobooks that can happen, but the guy who does it well is, is, is a gentleman by the name of Sean Barrett who I was delighted to learn was also the voice of Gawain the Dragon in, BBC, in the BBC Look and Read TV series Through the Dragon's Eye, which means I get to explain to you what all of that means. Because it's free balling Friday, free wheeling Friday. We do it. We just this is this is where we we just let it all go. We just explore. And we find out what we're, what what's happening today. So today, I am going to tell you about BBC Look and Read. Oh, it's so wonderful. So here, right here in the UK, we have we have the BBC, which is our non-commercial, well meant to be non-commercial, and staunchly so. You know, so you you don't get product placement, except you sort of get it for films. Like they do promotion, like they play that game, Uh, I think. And I think they probably play it so that they can get access to uh, celebrities and get access to to stuff that people want to know. Because I was reading this, um, I was reading a tweet, possibly a a little tweet storm by podcasting journalist James Cridland, who was back in the, He's, he's a Brit and he lives in Australia and he was back in the UK for a bit. And he'd been listening to the BBC and he was complaining about or bemoaning the fact that they were essentially promoting a film. Uh, I think it was probably an incredible, no, not an Incredibles. What do you call them? The the little pill things. Um, I'm not being deliberately obtuse. I just can't remember their names. I'm not trying to be too cool for school. Um, Minions. I think it was a Minions movie. Um, and he saw that as promotion. And I, I mean, it is. Uh, but I doubt money changes hands. What I would imagine is that they do that because they want access to people. Like they, they do want stars. Yeah. It's a promotional thing for the, for the film, but it's also a great get if they get God, I was going to show my age and say like Bruce Willis or, you know, whoever, whoever it is, if they get some, uh, you know, great actor in the studio, as when I used to listen to to Radio One in the breakfast uh, slot, uh, Chris Moyles, um, he would get you know pretty pretty big names, and I am sure he you know he had a Tom Cruise and a Tom Hanks and a uh, he's he's had a Will Smith and he's I, I think he certainly had one of the youngest uh, the younger Smiths, uh, and so he gets and and so his thing was quite fun actually. And it was just part of his his shtick, really, is that if a guest was super late, then they lost their slot. So if they were supposed to come, you know, because radio shows are when when they're they're put together well, they are really quite tightly uh, and and you know tightly structured, uh, and they're meant to look or feel or sound like they're not. And and Chris Moyles particularly was was one of those people like. His his talent, and now you know. I have to say, for any Brits listening who are rolling their eyes, Chris Moyles is a phenomenally talented radio presenter. He might be a dinosaur with uh, appalling views about um, women and gay people, but he he is a very talented and very entertaining uh, radio DJ. I say entertaining. He was for his time. Um, he still does the state the same shtick now, and it, it kind of doesn't quite work. I think. Because he's he he moved and he or he left or he got fired whatever his contract ended at the BBC uh, and he and he he was I think the longest running DJ there uh, breakfast DJ there oh you know he held the the spot for the longest time I think um and uh, I think essentially he he had to move on because he was getting on for forty and Radio One is supposed to be the youth station and it was it was it was a real shame because it was a great time for BBC Radio they had a great um a great slate the problem is it was not the slate that they they were supposed to have because they were then really not uh giving any uh, giving you know making any content for for the actual youth for the i guess 12 maybe not 12 but like i don't know 14 to 18 or 14 to 20 demographic. They were really serving builders and lorry drivers and people who remembered the 90s. <laughs> but they were doing really well and they had a great slate. But, uh, these, the, you know, it, it happens every every generation or two. The BBC go, right, we have to get rid of everyone because we're not serving the demographic. Because obviously the demographic ages and then they have to reset. Um, and so, yeah, Chris Mills has moved on and he's kind of kept that shtick. And it, for whatever reason, I think, you know, 10 years after he left, well, 11 years or whatever after he left, it kind of doesn't, that same thing doesn't quite work anymore. But that aside, really talented broadcaster who loved the art of, of radio, loved making radio. That's what he's good at and it's what he loved and he pursued it, if, you know, from being a kid doing in-store radio, um, I can't remember if he ever did hospital radio, I don't think he did, and then, you know, small radio stations and moving up and having a tremendous ego and uh, and all these things and not being a particularly nice man, but that's not the point. Just, you know, really, really talented broadcaster. Um, and uh yeah. So why on earth Why on earth was I talking about Chris Moyles and BBC Radio One? Uh I was complaining yes, so I was talking about the fact that um James Gridland was bemoaning Yeah, okay. Right, we can walk this back. Here we go. So Chris Moyles, uh, he had this this sort of remit, which is ironic, another tangent, because so his his thing was like, um, yeah, if, if if a big guest, no matter how big they are, and I I heard this like it it actually happened. i remember hearing this like in in practice. If a guest is scheduled for a particular, you know, usually a, an hour, you know, there's an hour slot, and they're supposed to be here for for that time. If, whatever it is, a three and a half hour radio show, I think it was like started at six thirty, ended at ten, I think. If they're not there uh, in the hour that they're supposed to be there. They lose their slot. doesn't matter if they turn up later. That's it. Done. And it's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal thing, and I kind of love it. And I, I do. I, lo- I love that. But the problem is he slightly undercut that because he would get more often than – no, not more often than not. That's not fair. Um, every so often, often enough that I remember it being more than once, he would be drunk from the night before and – oh sorry, hungover from the night before and and uh or oh, that okay that's not even necessarily fair but he would oversleep that is fair he has he had started the bbc radio 1 national radio 1 broadcasting you know monolith behemoth he'd started radio shows radio episodes if you like from a taxi from the taxi that was that had picked him up because this is the thing: when you are the biggest DJ on the biggest station, you get treated quite well. And you know, it's it's six thirty in the morning is when the 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 show would start. And so, I mean, he's well. When you're the talent, you can probably get away with kind of rolling in because they. My understanding is production uh, breakfast show production is done. Like you plan the next show. The, the afternoon after you've done the previous one, right? So Monday afternoon, uh, you plan Tuesday's show. How, how many of those meetings he turned up to, I really don't know. Um, but yes, I do remember more than once him, you know, someone else coming on the mic and then saying, you know, we're trying to find Chris, and then Chris would call in. Uh, and I, I don't remember if this happened. This might be a memory of him walking through Broadcasting House, I think it was, uh, and 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 it's still on the phone, and then getting to the studio and sitting down on the mic. I don't know if that happened. Maybe it did. Maybe maybe I have a memory of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was he was. And and so you know, I, I kind of think if you're gonna have that rule of like, if you if you're late, you don't get to do the thing, you know. And he had a whole dispute where the BBC apparently weren't paying his contract, and so he, I, I think he refused to do. Like he talked about it, and I can't remember. Maybe he refused to do episodes and stuff. So he was disruptive. He wasn't a shock jock, but slightly earlier on in his in his career, he was exploitative. Uh, to people he was very quick to like again not a nice guy but really entertaining radio you know not not Howard Stern level because we don't really do that here we there are some stations that tried it for a bit so uh, there's a station that launched in Birmingham uh, called Kerrang and I don't know how familiar you are with the Kerrang brand but Kerrang is a rock it was a rock magazine, a rock music magazine, you know, back when magazines thing. Um, Kerrang! was was one of those. And they ended up with, they had a TV station, uh, which, you know, it's just like an MTV, basically. Uh, we had MTV, but Kerrang! was, uh, was, was a British one. Um, and they started, I think, their first radio station in Birmingham. In 2004, and it was so much fun. So, I was studying radio at the time, uh, as, as you know. So, me and my friends would would listen, and I wasn't necessarily like super rock guy. Um, kind of indie ish, and pretty poppy. I kind you know I, uh, those times. Uh, I was I was pretty I was pretty poppy, but also oddly enough, quite snobby about it as well, which is which is weird. Maybe that's a conversation we'll get to it another the day. Um but yeah. Uh so but but you know a, a friend of mine had started putting it on in her uh flat in her student f- uh, accommodation. Um they had this place where they tucked away all the international students. Uh and so she was listening we were just like I can't remember what we were doing. We were just sat maybe I'm trying to actually remember maybe we were working um you know studying I guess that's the thing people do perhaps um and she she had this uh, she had this station on, and and while they were getting their stuff in place you know they had the mast up um or whatever uh and you know all the equipment there they just broadcast just music it was just you know here's the music that we're gonna play every now and again maybe there would be a jingle uh, maybe not because they, they might not have got the, the jingle packages ready yet um the the uh the station the brand identity and all that stuff uh, uh imaging is is what it's called the station imaging um they, maybe they hadn't got that ready yet and so they've they literally just played music non-stop no DJs, no nothing. Just like a Spotify playlist. Uh, and it was it was quite cool. And then you would start to get stuff coming in. You know, they started to have DJs. Uh, and they start, you know, they they got their their imaging. Um, but it took a long time before they got ads. Um a really quite a really quite a while, actually, before because I guess, you know, you've got to build up an audience and there's this whole thing about i remember being taught that radio stations are expected to lose money to be complete loss leaders for the first three years and it's like that's really not surprising when you think about it i mean you know most businesses fail and all that kind of stuff um but yeah you know three years you've got to you've got to be prepared to be a money pit because they're expensive to run um there's lots of equipment there's lots of staff there's lots of Music licensing um, and all that kind of stuff. Not to mention the license to actually have a radio show, uh, have a radio station, especially a national one, because I think it was, was it Kerrang 105.9? And I think it broadcast nationally because i think that was the whole thing it was like because we studied this at unit at uni it was like well not really studied it but it was a question that we were posed in one of our lectures about we had to guess which station out of like six was going to get the the la- the final um national radio license because they they come up very rarely because you know there's not that much spectrum we're a small island uh and this is still fm and and this was supposed to be this was the last radio the last FM radio license, um, and and it went to it went to Karang and karang, and uh, yeah, it was it was a it was a really fun listen for for quite a while, um, uh, and then you know it of course you know they 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 got their their, their formatting together and the the reason I was. Thinking about it and bringing it up is they did have a late night show where they had the kind of DJ who or the kind of presenter, broadcaster who did, a, you know, tried to do a few naughty things. And his his catchphrase in a sort of Ali G style, because remember, this is again, 2004 was easy now, my little chickens. That was his little. That was his little. Uh, yeah, you know, that that was his signal that the, the show had begun. Um, And it was it was it was an entertaining. It was an entertaining period. It was a nice period. I used to come to work because I'd finished uni. And I would come to work and I had a creative jukebox. Uh, And I think I've mentioned this. I have I have one. I bought one in an absolute fit of peak. I was going to make a video about it and now I just have it. And it's kind of nice that I have it and I haven't, I haven't really unboxed it. I think I turned it on to make sure it worked. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a big thick device that was, you know, an iPod for people who couldn't afford iPods and had PCs. Um, or for people like me who told themselves they didn't want an iPod, even though, yeah, anyway, um, even though three years later I would, I would buy one and be delighted by it. Uh, yeah, so this, the, the creative zen thing, um, it's, yeah, I think that the the model I bought had a radio receiver. Uh, and so I would go into, travel into work, listen to Ugly Phil, oh, Ugly Phil, the uh, Australian or New Zealand uh, um, breakfast presenter who would do his show. And he wasn't particularly risque. I think, again, because it's commercial radio, they've got to be really careful. And they, they, they were young um, because if commercial radio stations, because they are regulated by it used to be regulated They used to be oh god they used to be regulated by the radio authority now they're regulated by ofcom as are the bbc i think i'm sure the bbc are still they still are regulated by ofcom uh, but it used to be different uh and i think you know like commercial stations were much more highly regulated but it was all based on whether people complained if no one complained then then no harm no foul but if someone did complain that that a breakfast dj did something naughty then yeah, they could quite easily be. It's like, well, you've only had the license for less than a year. We can take it away. We can take it off you. And there, there goes millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of pounds. But yes, I would listen to Ugly Phil in the morning, um, and I would get into work, and then I would switch it because I, I think, I think I, I either I didn't want to be distracted or I didn't like the next presenter. And so, like nine o'clock, I would switch it to the music player, and I would just play music um and and that and that was my life Where at this place, I used to work. Oh, I should tell you some stories. Oh, I could tell you some stories, not all of them nice, but yeah, if we so when we come to Throwback Thursday, I'll have to tell you about the other Mark in the office. Hmm. Yeah, he was an intro He introduced me to the comedian Brian Regan, who I revere. He's a very good comedian. He He is literally the comedian's comedian. I know that because there's a podcast called The Comedian's Comedian, and Brian Regan was a guest on it. And he doesn't... I don't think he does a lot of podcasts, but he's just this sweet, kind of guy uh very his his act is completely clean of course if you're american you probably already know this his act is completely clean uh and he is kind of most of the time the butt of the joke but it's observations you know he makes himself more stupid than he is obviously he's a very 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 smart man um but he He makes himself a lot more, yeah, stupid in the butt of the joke, so that we, I think, you know, part of it, it just helps us feel a little bit more smart and superior. It's nice, but like his whole thing, it feels kind of somewhat chaotic. But apparently, according to that interview that I that I listened to, it's really, it's really kind of planned out. Like all the little he does, you know. If he's doing a little hand gesture to to signify something like that's all written down, all the little bits of business, that's all down, uh, writ you know, written, written down, um, to, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a slick show, but I listened to his, this is called Brian Regan live. It was his CD was back in the day before, you know, before Netflix specials and before HBO, well, not before HBO specials, definitely not. Um, but he didn't have one. He didn't have an HBO special, um, he had this CD, and I obtained it, downloaded it. I, I, I then, I then actually, pretty sure I actually bought it. I did, I did, I did bought it, uh, and I've bought uh, two of his other DVDs. And someone actually bought one for me as well. I think it might even have been, yeah, someone bought the epitome of hyperbole um, for me. I think, which. Uh, Oh, maybe I bought them, I did, don't matter. Um, but I remember being in the office at work in this place and hearing him, hearing these, these bits for the first time. When you hear a comic that you then fall in love with and you, you hear their bits for the first time, it is revelatory, isn't it? Like, when you, when you find the comedian that really gets your spot, not necessarily just funny... But where you really feel like they get you, and they kind of like you know they're, they're, you you connect in a way. It's isn't it an amazing feeling? Like it's just bam. I love it. Um, and he he got me. He got me where I live, as as Billy Connolly said. Um, and I just remember just having you know suppressing these these big old chunky laughs. Um, When he's talking about and again, you know, I can't see him and somehow it's still hilarious. Maybe even more so when he talks about seeing someone in the distance freak out because they've just hit a spider web. Or a bee is attacking them, and you just see them off in the distance. And suddenly, this person just starts flailing, and I just, I absolutely, I, just, I loved it. And he's got, you know, had a whole bit about uh, donuts and going into a donut shop and panicking because there are too many donuts. And um, I just, it, it's wonderful. Brian Regan live. I mean that that DVD that CD is. I mean, yeah, I listened to it. <laughs> I say two thousand and four. It could it could have been earlier because I think I brought quite a few bits of Brian Regan into my into a radio show that I was doing as part of a uni project where we we had to run a radio station for a week and we called it. Oh, what do we call it? Oh, I nearly had it. Uh, not Signal. Um, the Wire. E-Wire. E-Wire. That's what it was called. E-Wire. Oh. Internet radio station. Uh, it was accessible, in theory. Uh, no, it was. It was accessible. It used uh, Shoutcast, which is, for all intents and purposes, basically the same system that uh, I'm broadcasting live on now to no one. Because, um, again, I haven't told anyone about it yet. Um, but, Yeah. That's for a week. We had to run this this radio station, and we had to, you know, have have the programs ready and do all the things. My proudest moment as a, as a radio fan and and listening to Chris Moyles, and we bring it all all beautifully full circle. Was we we because you're supposed to it's supposed to be a real radio station so we had news readers they would read on the hour and they would be in another studio and we'd have to uh press a button to to make them happen because in in others uh what often happens in radio is you have a satellite news service and so you'll press a button uh and it will open a feed um I can't remember if you have to open a special fader or whatever but yeah you you uh you press this button and then basically the news will come on at the time that the news is scheduled for. And so if you're good, this is in like more broadcast sense when you're, you're not doing just a radio, a closed radio station for you and your student friends. This is a it's slightly more, you know, wide-reaching. Uh, wide this was an actual student radio station where we did this, which had to abide by actual broadcast laws uh, and Ofcom regulations and stuff genuinely, and everyone had to read them. So this is a real thing. Um, and it's still going today there would be a button uh, i'm sure it's all different now but there would be a button on the console that you would hit at you know 1 p.m. whatever um and you had to speak up to the news you had to know you had to be able to look at the clock and and say you know it's it's counting down so you are listening to scratch fm and uh, it is just coming up to one PM. So now here is the news from IRN. I can't remember if it was. Oh, yeah, no, it might have been called IRN. Actually, it was something like that. And then you know, if you if you did it right, the news would begin. Um, but my proudest moment before I'd I uh, I um, was was able to volunteer at this radio station, which I did the year it it opened. Um, was so we had this week running our our radio station, our fake although it could be accessed online radio station. And my, yeah, my, my, my proud moment was the guy did the news bit in another studio. No idea. Probably just a few feet. Well, a few yards away in, in a, another end of the, of the radio of the, of the floor where we did radio. Cause um, so there were like two studios. And so he was probably just in the other one and he did his bit. And I I took a leap of faith, listener. I took a leap of faith and I opened my mic fader and I kept his open and I commented on something in the news and we had banter. We had banter between me, the DJ, and him, the news reporter, and it was lovely. And then I said, hey, it's brilliant. And then I started the show and I played some music. I was, I was so proud that it worked because you know it, it could so easily like he might have thrown his headphones off he might have turned his whatever he might not have heard me um that's entirely possible you know that the link might not have worked he might not have heard me you know it i was so pleased when he when he came back and we, we had a little bit of back and forth and it felt kind of natural and lovely and i was just like yes when you hit those moments it's the best feeling in the world it really is there's something about radio that when you hit those little moments you don't get to do it in anything other than than radio and when you're doing stuff with music and it's yeah like talking up to the vocal being able to hit the vocal uh all that stuff. it feels it really tickles something in the brain that's very satisfying (laughs) oh i love it and i miss it ah i should do a radio show anyway well, listen, hey, uh, that was that was a, that was a long way around Now my fan is now blowing. I'm sorry you had to endure the the sound of the fan. It is now blowing hot air at me. We're at that point. I'm going to go and make my chicken and my pasta and my, and, and my stuff, uh, and I'm going to hope that you have a magnificent weekend and we get to speak again on Monday. But until then, let us take ourselves a moment together to commune as we do, and. Uh, I will remind you once more that as long as you can hear me you exist and because you exist you are entitled to love and to be free from pain you are connected you are wanted you are safe you are welcome and now the news from IRN